All right, what is up? Welcome to Speed Shoot Sports. This is Bert. Today I'm joined by Sparsh, and we are going over the NBA uh, season awards. We're going to be predicting who gets what awards, and we're going to be going through all of them. Timestamps are down below if you want to skip around to see a specific award. But besides that, I say we jump right into it. Let's kick off with the biggest award you could win, MVP. Sparsh, who's taking MVP in your opinion? I got to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I like you know, that after pick. you see what he has done in the playoffs, right? Yeah. And to see him come back in the preseason with that jump shot form. I mean, I know it's like really like low sample size. Like he took like eight, eight shots, I guess, yeah. of like those mid-range, I think around like five from those three. But to see his footwork and to see that shot form just consistently improve, he's definitely going to be doing those shots a lot more often. And, you know, a lot of people have been saying, oh, well, you know, this could be like a top 10, you know, of all time, or et cetera, if he had a jump shot. I mean, he's getting it now, right? So now it's, now it's time that he deserves even more praise for what he's doing. And, like, I was either deciding between Giannis or KD. The reason why I'm not giving it to KD I just have a feeling that, A, Giannis will also be able to play more games than KD. KD might take some time off here and there, right? Because, you know, he's, it's still sort of like a, a pretty big thing he's coming off, right? The Achilles injury. And then he also had some, like, calf uh, tightness, and he has some hamstring issues throughout the season. Uh, and then he also has James Harden with him as well, and a very good cast as well. So, like, this team is easily favored to win uh, the title. Uh, and even if Kyrie comes back, right, I think Giannis will have better odds to win the MVP. Again, Kyrie, that's another situation, but that's why I have Giannis uh, winning the MVP this year. Honestly, I also want to say Giannis, but I feel like it's a little too soon for him to get another MVP. I feel like there's still going to be a little bit of voters fatigue. Um, but for right now, in my opinion, I kind of think it's between – Kevin Durant, if he stays healthy and plays a lot of games, and my pick, Steph Curry. Now, last year, hear me out, right? I picked the MVP in our predictions. It was one of our first – it was actually one of our first videos we ever made. It's predicting the season awards and stuff like that. I put Jokic. Jokic won it. I got got the mind right here. I know who's going to win MVP next. It's if if Curry can just if Curry can just lead the Warriors to a top five seed, and he leads the league in scoring again, I think Curry is probably the most favorite to get it. Think about that's, how that's fair. That's fair. Think about how much people were pushing for Curry to get it when they were like the eighth seed in the league, like eight or nine seed in the league, right? Now, if he gets to like if he's like locked in the playoffs and he's still putting up crazy numbers. I think they gave it to Curry. He's that you know, everyone loves Curry, right? The media loves Curry. A lot of MVP stuff is based on storylines. So I also want to say this. This is kind of a I guess it's a little bit of a, a little, little cheap to, to give a second one here, but I want to I want to shout out Joel Embiid because if he goes nuts without Ben Simmons there, like if they trade Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid goes crazy. I think Embiid has a really good chance to win it too. So I think it's going to be. I mean, then again, Curry, KD, and Embiid. I think those are the top three that are going to be in real contention. Then again, like, I mean, yeah, you got a good point about the voter fatigue. And then, like, adding to your point about Joel Embiid, uh, a lot of his success is also when Ben Simmons and him are not playing together as well. So that'll definitely give him some more time to shine and even show his defensive skills well. Right. So that could be something pretty interesting too. And I I see your point about Steph Curry. That is a really good uh, take on it, honestly. I, I remembered even at like even though they were they fell to like ninth or right after the play and stuff, people were like still he deserved the MVP because he was scoring yeah. a thirty plus that season after after the, the previous season before. So that's that's a pretty fair take as well. Yeah, and even if Clay's not healthy again, uh, God forbid, even if he's not healthy, they got Moses Moody, they got Jonathan Kaminga, they got guys who even though they're young, they got Jordan Poole, they got guys who are even though they're young, they can step up and they can start for them and give them meaningful minutes. And I think either way, you know, I, I think Curry's Curry and the Warriors are po- poised to have a, a much better season than, than they did last year. They did look but, really great at this preseason, though. Yeah. I got to say, they were looking really fluid mm-hmm. over there. But man. It's going to be tough. 
It's going to be tough in the West. for sure. And I also want to touch on Giannis. I did really want to say Giannis. Um, yeah. But what kind of held me back is I, I know the jumper has been going around, and it definitely is mechanically different. It looks a lot more like uh, Rui Hachi needs to get the arc better and more consistent. Uh, but besides that, the form does look different. But my, my only issue is that when you change your form like that, it takes getting used to. He's probably going to struggle a little bit shooting off the gate. And he kind of does this in almost every preseason. He'll like shoot well or like look like he shoots well. Uh, but this is the first time I, I really have seen a true change in his jumper that might be good for him. <laughs> the other changes have just been kind of weird where like he'll make shots and he'll take those shots in the preseason because it's just preseason. But in the regular season, he'll be, he'll just go back to what he does best. He'll dominate and all that stuff. Uh, I do expect him to get better on his jumper though. I do expect that to happen just not right away. And I think that'll hurt his uh, percentages a little bit. And I think, I don't know, like I said, voter over team. Yeah. I'm kind of expecting like a 32, 11, kind of five kind of uh, average from him this season. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to have that for sure. So, well, I mean, we'll see, right. It, it also sort mm-hmm. of really depends on the seeding as well, because if the, if Giannis can get the bucks to the number one seed in the East, especially with Brooklyn over there, right, then that also has a lot of weight to it as well, yeah. right? I, I think that if, if Giannis can get them to the first seed in the East, that'll definitely have more impact than Steph Curry getting the Warriors to, say, like the fifth in the East. Because now, now the East has become a, a lot more stacked in sort of that powerhouse uh, area, especially with those top four teams there, right? Yeah, and also, uh, look, if you're looking to make a, like a, a bet that could really pay off later down the line, like a small bet, Go Trey Young because if the Hawks have a really good season and they take like a first or second seed, Trey Young's going to be in the MVP discussions. I've been seeing this. I've been seeing this quite often. I wouldn't be surprised if he does get up there in the MVP ladder. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got, I'm kind of expecting this actually, considering what the record has been since they made that coaching change. And I mean, and we'll get into that a bit more later. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, I think right now the odds on favorite is actually Luca. It's either between Luca or KD. No offense, I I love Luca as a player. I've loved him ever since he got in the league. But his team, I don't think is good enough. I don't think he has a good enough roster around him to no. help him win MVP. No. Let's be real, MVP is also kind of a team-based award. Like, you have to have success with your team to win an MVP unless you are putting up really stupid numbers like Westbrook did in his MVP season or like Steph Curry did last yeah. year when he was in consideration for an MVP, even at, at like, the bottom of the West. Um, you have to be putting up some really ridiculous numbers or you got to be a, a top five seed in, in, in your conference, right? So I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't really yeah. see that Mavs having improved that much over yeah. uh, the previous season. So I, I, I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think Lucas is just sort of more like just sort of like a hype kind of thing, but it's yeah, gonna and it's going to die down pretty quickly. Luca has an issue with three-point percentage in the regular season in the playoffs he's fine but like in the regular season he he doesn't shoot that well if he can get that up i could see him being in the mvp discussion but i think it'll he'll only ever be in the discussion you know i don't think he'd ever really win it so i wouldn't go luca in that sense but yeah uh so i picked curry or Embiid, uh, and you got uh Giannis, right if it, if it's not Giannis, it's KD for me. That's, that's gotcha. that'll be my that'll be my second option. Yes, and then don't be surprised about Trey Young. Uh, let's go that's to uh, defensive player of the year. I'll kick this off. Defensive player of the year. I I don't think there's a real front runner. I know a lot of a lot of places are kind of putting um, they're putting Rudy Gobert to win again. I think they're gonna have voters fatigue. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, with, with, Rudy Go- with Rudy Gobert, plus he keeps getting exposed in the playoffs. So I don't know if voters are really willing to go out and vote for him again. I think defensive player of the year is going to be – I think it's going to go to Giannis. I think Giannis gets it. Uh, and this is kind of why I also, I also didn't pick Giannis for MVP. I don't think he'd win MVP and DPOY again unless he has another, another ridiculous season. He's already set the bar so high for himself. I don't think he hits it uh, again or it goes way over it. Uh, in order to win both again. But I think Giannis gets it. I honestly think he's probably the best defender in the league right now. Uh, him, I'd say him and B, Gobert, even though he has troubles in the 
perimeter. Him and Bede were Gobert, Green, um, and Embiid. Honestly, Embiid could also be a, a dark horse. But, yeah, I got Giannis with DPOY. Who do you got? See, I'm going to just sort of, like, add on to your point before I get to my thing. Because the thing was uh, a lot of – yeah, it's just going to be voter fatigue for sure, man. Especially how many how many has it been already Rudy as a Gobert's one? Three straight? I don't, well, it hasn't been straight. It's not. Been, I don't know if it's straight, but I think he's got. He's gotten three already, three. hasn't? Yeah. Is right, and especially when you see how the team is sort of structured uh, during that playoffs. I mean, they got really exposed by the Clippers, like three point, uh, three point style, because yeah. you know they have a lot of fast mobile players. You know, the they just ball. get into the, the yeah. Once they play small ball, it's pretty much over. That's pretty much how you dismantle the Jazz because. That's their like Gobert is like really their only reliable big man there in the paint, and all you need to do is just literally dish it out to somebody, and he he's not able to switch on to another man, right? And I think that's what people are going to really be taking into consideration when they're going to be also voting uh, for the defensive player of the year this year. Uh, anyway, so as for my take, I'm actually going to go with Bam at a bio. Mm-hmm. I think that I think he's definitely need some more defensive player of the year recognition. Yes. Uh, he's definitely had some good stretches uh, last season. And I think, you know, he's only going to improve from here. And I think the Heat will be one of those teams that will finish in the top 10 uh, defensively. And if they're able to do that, I think that he has a chance to get it. Uh, my second pick, though, if Bam doesn't get it, I'm thinking Joel Embiid is going to get yeah. uh, defensive player of the year. Especially, you know, now that Ben Simmons is most likely going to be out of this uh, team. I think this is going to give Joel Embiid his time to really shine and uh, embrace that uh, Philly culture. And he's going to definitely have this spotlight on him now, right? It's, it's pretty much his game, his team, and he'll be able to take it over from here. So that those are my picks for defensive player of the year. Yeah. Um, the reason I don't have Embiid as a favorite in any award uh, is just that it all really depends on his health and how much he plays. Because honestly, if he had played the full season last year, he probably would have been the MVP. Yeah. But him missing no games doubt. and Jokic just being an Iron Man and just, you know, he doesn't jump, so he never gets injured. Uh, <laughs> that that kind of pushed Jokic ahead. Um, and look, yeah. uh, I also forgot to mention the MVP video. Jokic has a chance to repeat. He does. Um, but also I wouldn't be surprised, play- right? Yeah, but also a defensive player of the year, right? I really like the band pick. I forgot to mention him on my short list of great defenders, but yeah, I I think he's actually underrated. I don't know how he didn't get a single all defensive team last year. He's one of the most I, that that really surprised me how he didn't get it. I I yeah. was really shocked by that. Uh, it it just does it didn't make sense to me at all. I I don't maybe it also could have just been uh, you know how the Heat just placed that last that year with you know how COVID really wrecked the team. Yeah. They, they were one of the teams that got hit like the absolute hardest. Yeah. And it really went into them, like even into the playoffs as well. So maybe that could have also just been a thing, right? Um, it's just unfortunate that things had to happen that way. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think they'll definitely bounce back this year. And, I, and he's definitely going to make one of those spots. And I think he'll have that. Uh, he'll have the chance to get that. Yeah. Um, but he's one of the most versatile defenders in the league. He is he's a great rim protector and he's mobile enough to keep up with guards, actual guards on the perimeter. I remember there was a viral clip going around last year of Bam Adebayo switching on to Kyrie and actually defending him straight up and Kyrie missed his shot. So yeah, he's really, he's really good at switching on to other players. And that, and that's the, and that's what's, that's what's much better about him compared to like Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert cannot switch on to that. He's not as mobile uh, as Bam is. Right. I mean, Rudy Gobert is probably one of the better like, in paint uh, in like that area defensively, but Bam overall, uh, the more versatile defender. Yeah, and yeah, I really like your Bam pick. Um, if it's not Giannis or Embiid, I could definitely see it being Bam. But will the actual voters see Bam that way? I don't know, because they, they yeah. massively snubbed him last year, and I hope they don't repeat that same mistake. Yeah. And there's also somebody else I want to bring up who's actually, I believe they have the second best odds currently to win defensive player of the year. I don't know why this is completely mind boggling to me, but it's Ben Simmons. I look, I know he's a great defender, but like 
let's be real. Nobody was talking about Simmons last year being in the defensive player of the year conversation until Ben Simmons came out and was like, I'm in the defensive player of the year conversation. I was going to say that. Yeah. Like it, it, it kind of felt like a created narrative. I, I know Ben Simmons is a very good defender, but does he make as much of a defensive impact as those other guys that we mentioned? I don't know. Um, and also the Sixers are also just a really great defensive team overall. They all like yeah. that team also had like three all NBA defenders. Right. He's, so he's helped out a lot by Embiid. Like, let's be real. Right. He plays yeah. next to another a serious defensive player of the year level player. So and, and Matisse Thibel as well. Right. Don't forget him. That guy's yeah. really gone up yeah. a lot defensively. So, yeah. So that and also we don't know what's going on with Ben Simmons in in, the, in Philadelphia still. We don't know if he's going to be traded or if he's going to play half the year there and go somewhere else. Yeah, I think what could look yeah, bad, and so I think it's a really bad. I think it's a bad choice yeah. against Simmons. I don't even think he's going to be in the discussion this year, in my opinion. Yeah. Sorry about that, but I, but I think what's actually going to happen with his situation, I don't think he's going to play claim games that maybe they'll just sit him out as well, right? So if that happens, right, and he ends up missing quite a few games, because I mean, like. They, they haven't even traded. They haven't even been able to get a trade from yet. So I have a feeling like if he's going to sit out, he's going to sit out for quite a while. And that is going to ruin his chances of getting uh, defensive player of the year. Yeah, uh, for sure. Unless he have, unless he decides, okay, if I'm going to be traded, I might as well maximize my value here in Philly. If he does that, which I think he should do, uh, despite whatever Philly's going to do to him, Rich Paul also thinks he should do that. <laughs> they want to get paid. Hey, if Ben Simmons can just swallow his pride and just do that and just play like 200%, then yeah, he has, he, he can make a chance, but I, I don't know. Right. Because considering his, like his personality, his nature, I, I don't think he's going to be willing to do that. Uh, considering his yeah. recent remarks about the team, et cetera. Anyway, and so we can just move on to the next pick. Oh, sorry, what were you saying? I was gonna say it's just gonna be really awkward in that locker room. If he stays, it's not. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so what's uh, what's next? You got rookie of the year. Yep, next is rookie yeah. of the year. I think we both agree. Uh, I got Jalen Green. Yeah, me too. He's just. I mean, I said this in my you know uh, mock draft preview. He's just one of the best scoring prospects we've ever seen i'd say probably in the last decade at least but even going further back he's just he's an elite scorer and he's used to playing with adults and adult level players he played in the g league the year before he came in here so he's he is the odds on favorite uh i definitely agree with that some people would say Cade. i could see it but at the same time the fit with killian hayes is just not great and I don't know how that's going to hold up throughout the season. And I just think that while Cade probably will have better all around numbers, I think Jalen Green's scoring, he could score 20 points per game off the bat this year, in my opinion, straight up. I'm not yeah. sure. I think Cade will probably hover closer to 17, 18, and then maybe have like uh, more assists and more rebounds than a Jalen Green. But even still, I, I don't know. Jalen Green's a more exciting player to watch. He's the, the person that the media is probably going to be focused more on because the media is voting for these awards, let's be honest. And I just think all the narratives and everything, I think, point to Jalen Green. Yeah, he's, I mean, even, even when we saw him in the summer league, one of the, he's, he's the most electric scorer of that draft class yeah. and definitely one of the most electric scorers we've seen in a really long time as well. Uh, that G League experience has really helped yeah. propel him honestly i think he could i think he should have went first pick overall in that draft mm. i mean okay. considering how like considering what he brings offensively um i mean especially when they have that cast as well you know Jalen green kevin Porter jr and those other guys they got they got a really solid core built up and and, and like you said right this yeah. is going to be an attractive team to the media right they i mean they we saw in the summer like how excited these uh, announcers were uh, just like with Houston, right? I mean, they've got a really exciting team. And I think, you know, with how it is for the media, he's going to have some uh, votes, uh, a lot more votes over uh, Kate Cunningham being able yeah. to get the look of the year. Yeah. I also want to introduce two really quick dark horses. Uh, 
Jalen Suggs, I know he's feeling disrespected falling to six. And he's going to, I think he's going to be pretty good. I think he's going to play with a serious passion and like the drive to prove people wrong. He also has a pretty decent supporting cast around him. The Magic aren't, you know, they got some good young talent. And then also Josh Giddy. Uh, he's just looked really, really solid in the preseason. And shoot, I mean, if he keeps it up, he kind of looks like a mini Lamelo, kind of. Yeah, I was I was surprised with how Josh Giddy has been playing this uh, this preseason the the summer league. I, I mean, even with my draft video as well, I was kind of like, ah, this guy doesn't seem to be up there. But I mean, now we now we kind of see why OKC picked him. He's he's got a pretty good game uh, so far from what we've seen. And I'm excited to see him more in the future as well. Yeah, so don't be surprised at those two. But we both got Jalen Green. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of too hard to ignore. Yeah. Him. yeah, yeah. Uh, let's move on to sixth man of the year. Okay. I've kind of got it locked in as Tyler Hero. I think he's yeah. going to make a jump this year. I just love his mentality right now. Just the, you know, even though, like, let's be real, he's not on their level. He's He wants to be on the level of, like, Luka Doncic. Like, he name-dropped, like, big name players like that he's like he wants to be on their level he thinks that he's on their level and he's have been having a really good preseason and shoot it if he keeps it up he really could end up you know i don't want to say being on their that level but at the same time i did say uh i've been saying since since tyler harrow's rookie year the way he plays in his he's way he's played in his uh, in his nba career so far his rookie year and on it actually really reminds me of watching Bradley Beal when he first came to DC and I'm a Washington fan, obviously. And they look really similar to me. And yeah. if he could, if he could take uh, aspects of Bradley Beal's game, which is, you know, being able to dribble more, go off the ball more, uh, develop his playmaking a little bit and just, you know, develop, you know, make his scoring more efficient and all that stuff. I think he could one day turn into Bradley Beal. And right now he's he's projected to come off the bench for the Heat, and I got him as sixth man of the year. I think he takes a jump this year, uh, a really sizable jump, and he just, he's hungry and he wants it. So I'm I'm going Tyler Hero. That's a good pick. I was really debating between Tyler Hero and Jordan Clarkson, and Jordan Clarkson is my number one pick. Yep. Tyler Hero being number two. I mean, I definitely think Tyler Hero can make that jump, uh, and he I mean. I think it's fair for him to compare himself to those guys. I mean, he, of course, he's not there yet, right? But what we've seen in his first playoffs, what he's been able to do, right? When we see him performing at its best, his best, this guy, is, his offensive game is really, really, really nice to watch. And he's only going to go up from here. The reason why I do have Jordan Clarkson going up over Tyler here, though, I just feel like, you know, even though as a – as a six man, I just feel like Jordan Clarkson is going to get a lot more minutes and he's just going to have more time to shine as that six man compared to Tyler hero. Yeah. So that that's honestly why I have Jordan Clarkson just getting it over from, I just think Jordan Clarkson is going to get more playing time. And I mean, we, and we've seen like, we've seen like history wise, right. Uh, like Lou Williams getting the six man of the year. Right. You used to remember like how many minutes he would play a game, right. He would play like 25 plus, even like even 30 at times. Right. But he still won it. Right. And that's just the thing. I'm just sort of taking it. I think Jordan Clarkson is just going to get up most overtime hero, mostly because he's just going to have more playing time than him. Yeah. And he's just he's just going to shine more, right? So that's really what it is for me. Yeah. Uh, but it, it could honestly be a toss-up between those two. Yeah, sixth man of the year is kind of like most improved. It's like a, you can't really predict who's going to get it. It's really hard award to predict. Jordan Clarkson is the odds-on favorite right now. Uh, so yeah. Vegas agrees with you, but uh, some other names to bring up: Kevin Herter, Joe Ingles. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think Joe Ingles is going to get it. I, I don't think Joe Ingles either. No, he's on the same team as Jordan Clarkson. I don't think it's going to. That's going to happen. Um, they've got Tyler Harrow, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who I thought was going to start, but for some reason he's here, six man of the year. Derrick Rose is a real option. Uh, okay, Poole, I can see. I see. I see Jordan. I see Derrick Rose a real option, and I think a dark horse for me. I say TJ McConnell. I think he's a real dark horse for the uh, for the Pacers. Yeah, yeah he's one of the best backup point guards in the league right now. Really good defensively as well. Yep. Yeah, I think I think he was one of the guys that was leading in steals, or I, one of the leaders in steals at that time. So he's really good to watch out for. I mean, it's just and the Pacers, for, right? 
if, if we're talking just about, not going to get that much attention. So. But if we're talking about playing time, right? Uh, if Malcolm Brogdon, he goes down, he goes down a lot. Honestly, he's pretty injury prone. Yeah, he goes down. They slot T.J. McConnell in. Shoot, I mean, he's going to get a lot more playing time if if Malcolm Brogdon does go down or get hurt. Um, so I think T.J. McConnell's a dark horse if you want to, you know, put all the chips in on on somebody kind of lower ranked. He's, I think, he's a plus twenty eight hundred right now. You know, shoot your shot, go ahead. It's not professional advice, but you know, just go for it. Um, you know what I, you know what I saw that was actually pretty surprising. What I saw Lamarcus Aldridge as one of those. Uh, I, I don't remember who, but there was one reporter that said oh, Lamarcus Aldridge was, was six man, and I was just like, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, because then they also have guys like Patty Mills. Is it is he going to be coming off the bench? Yeah, Patty Mills was on I here. I, I think to, so. I forgot to mention him. I think so. Yeah, I think I think like when you have Patty Mills on that roster as well, I think Patty Mills is just going to have a bigger impact. But I mean, Lamarcus Aldridge would be pretty great in the post, but I mean, I, it really depends. So like what. Brooklyn's going to do with their lineup, whether they want to give Nick Claxton more minutes or give LaMarcus Aldridge those minutes. Uh, they're, I guarantee they're going to limit. I guarantee they're going to limit LaMarcus Aldridge because even though the doctors Definitely. cleared him, they still want to take a cautious and they don't want to hurt him until he's also old. So they don't want to hurt him until playoffs. Well, I say it like That's they're going to hurt him. I say it like they're going to hurt him in playoffs. They're not, they're not <laughs> trying to hurt him. So they're going to save him for the playoffs. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I also, uh, is Malik Monk starting for the Lakers? Malik Monk, I yeah. was seeing some sort of projected lineups that have him there, but I've also been seeing some projected lineups that don't. So it's kind of a toss really up. And I, and I was also on, I was also unsure about that because yeah. I've been seeing lots he of reports a chance. that he might actually be inserted into the starting lineup. So if he doesn't start, he has a chance. And Wayne Ellington, I wouldn't sneeze at either. But yeah, this is just such a hard award to predict. We got so many names, but in the end, I got Tyler Hero and you got. Jordan Clarkson. Uh, but yes. Let's let's move on to. I believe you have most improved player next. And yeah. Okay, I'll go first. None of y'all gonna know this. None of y'all gonna be seeing this coming. But I'm telling you, Daniel Gafford, Mister Gaffy Taffy, is going to win the most improved player award. Now let me tell you why. Right. When he's played. So far, uh, I believe he hasn't. I believe he's gotten at least two blocks or more in each preseason game he's played, and he's been playing limited minutes, so only like twenty minutes a game or so. If you extend out to thirty-six, like if he plays full starter minutes, this man is gonna put up some really stupid numbers, and he also he also puts up double-digit uh, points and rebounds almost every game. Plays with so much energy. He's a monster defensively, and. I think he's a serious – I think he's the, the biggest uh, underdog that could legitimately win this award, in my opinion. I think Daniel Gafford is going to get it. And if he's not going to get it, he's at least going to be top three in consideration. There's no way. But he also – this also depends on him staying healthy. Uh, so I do want to preface it with that. Who do you got as your most improved player? Because this is one of the most hardest awards to predict. Bar none. Okay. You'll never be able to – Almost never be able to guess, but it's going to be Daniel Gafford. Go ahead. <laughs> the bias is hitting you pretty hard, but it's not biased. I gave you my, the stats. It's not biased. My yeah. pick, my pick is not going to be Daniel Gafford. I've got two. I've got two up. So your pick is wrong. Go ahead. <laughs> so basically, uh, Bert, it's not going to be Daniel Gafford. <laughs> I think. For my most improved player, I think it's going to be either between Michael Porter Jr. or Jordan Poole. And the mo- the main reasons for those two uh, getting it, right, this is really hard to predict, but I think one of the main reasons for those two is mostly because of their other stars that are out recovering. And yeah. Jordan Poole's been getting a lot more minutes as of late, and we've been seeing him in the preseason, one of the most exciting players that we've seen so far, like dropping 20-plus. I mean, if he can keep this up, he's got some crazy contention. I mean, he'll definitely be like a front-runner up there. And even with Michael Porter Jr. as well, now he's going to get a lot more touches with Jamal Murray out. Uh, and 
after that offseason, now Mike Malone can sort of reconstruct the offense so that now you can have a Jokic and Michael Porter Jr.'s tandem kind of style offense instead of like the Jokic and Murray style. Because a lot of the complaints that Nuggets fans have been giving about coach Mike Malone was that he doesn't really let certain players get as many touches or minutes as they should. And Michael Porter Jr. was definitely one of those. Um, he, there are just some times where I, I, I watch some Nuggets games. I'm just like, wait, why is he not getting the ball as much as he should? Right. And I think that now with Jamal Murray, like, I, I don't know if he's going to be coming back until I guess the playoffs uh, this season. I'm not, I'm not too sure. They, when there's, he'll no, be back. there's no timetable, but I, if I had to guess just off myself, I'd probably say he returns at like the start of the new year or maybe post all-star break. Something like that. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it is, but that's enough time for Michael Porter Jr. to really elevate his game right now that he signed that, that crazy max extension. Now it's time for him to really be able to showcase that. And again, right. That contract is like 172 million, but if he gets up there in like that, that all NBAs like stuff, whatever, he can be eligible for another 30 million. Right. And now he's got more motivation to secure some additional bag for that. And that's going to be another reason why I think Michael Porter Jr. will really elevate his game, especially after this contract. Uh, one of the most talented players of that draft uh, class. Crazy how we fell that short. I mean, of course, with injury and all, but like now he has that time to shine. Uh, one really talented shooter. And when, especially when he gets those touches, man, when you leave him open, it's, it's a really bad mistake to be making. This guy, he, he just needs to get more touches. And I think that's what's going to elevate him this uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my only concern is uh, his defense still isn't great. True. And uh, Coach Malone might pull him a little bit because that at, at times. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, you know, when Jamal Murray's going to come back or how that affects what Michael Porter Jr. is going to end up doing. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. He does have a big – there is a big vacancy in terms of – uh, shot attempts right now that Jamal Murray has left in the void. And so um, if Michael Borgia steps up and takes him, he could definitely be in contention to win it. Plus he's got a big name. Uh, media would love him. That's the only thing I don't, it's the only thing that sucks about Daniel Gafford is that I don't know if the media is really going to be talking about him like that, but I do see a lot more fans talking about him, even from other franchises talking about Daniel Gafford actually making a big impact. I mean, the Wizards are definitely going to get a lot more attention this year. Right, especially with moves in this offseason. I don't know about that because we don't have Russell Westbrook anymore, and he was like the biggest. That's like, fair. Media. That's fair. Yeah, he's That's a media fair. cow. Um, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. is a really. I think he's a really solid option. He could be top three. Um, also, some of the guys we mentioned in the six man of the year could also end up being involved. Right, we mentioned Jordan Poole. We mentioned Tyler Hero. They could end up being here as well. That that's honestly totally fair. Um, yeah, I could see Tyler Hero getting that as well. He, he'll definitely be uh, up there. Yeah. But, I mean, something I also want to add about Mike Porter Jr. as well, another reason I'm sort of basing it off is just seeing his performance after Jamal Murray went down. And to see Jokic be able to retain that seating in the Western Conference even after Murray went down. I mean, of course, he wasn't able to really retain it so far into the playoffs because, you know, the game slows down. And they're able to kind of, you know, break down the, that defense a bit more, right? But – Seeing Michael Porter Jr., especially after Jamal Murray went down, to see how much more he's been able to score, that's gonna, I think that's gonna translate into the next season and just go up from here. Yeah. Um, look, doesn't matter because Daniel Gafford's gonna win it. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, he's the biggest sleeper of the season. I don't, nobody's talking about him, but I seriously think he's gonna be really, really good. I think he has a chance to make all defense because I think he's going to be top three or top five in blocks per game. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the block leaders in the league. He's just, he has great instincts for it and he's a great defender. Uh, so don't see you on Daniel Gafford. You know what? If you got, if you got one thing to just stamp my name on is that Daniel Gafford will be in the conversation for MIP. That, that's all right. All right. We can bet on something about this later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, wait and see. you wait and see uh, I'll, I'll keep that in mind look one more person for most improved player of the year do not be surprised if Alexi Pokashevsky goes crazy I know I I kind of made a video on him uh, 
midway through his rookie year where I was like, man, he was really bad. And to be fair, he was really bad. He was shooting like 20% from the field and like 14% from three. It was really, really bad. But he really stepped up in that second half of the year. He's been really solid in preseason. Don't be surprised if Pogoshevsky puts himself in the conversation. Um, he plays for the Thunder. Don't be surprised if he's in the conversation because he could take a big jump this year. Uh, yeah, that's kind of all I got to say for most improved. Let's go ahead and talk about the coach of the year. Okay. Why don't you give yours first? All right. So for my coach of the year, I honestly think this was a pretty easy decision for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be Nate McMillan. When Hawks I coach. when I saw yeah of the Hawks when I saw the Hawks make that decision to fire their recent coach and then get Nate McMillan after that the Hawks had the third best record in the NBA yeah and when you saw them in the playoffs the way they were able to just easily get over the Knicks I mean I thought that the Hawks would possibly win against the Knicks but I thought it was at least going to be a closer series but that was a series where the Hawks could have went 4-0 if they didn't blow that one lead. I think it was in like game three, the one, the next one, of course. And then after that, see them in the Sixers series. My goodness, does Nate McMillan really know how to get through the Sixers defense? He absolutely dismantled them. To be, to be fair, it's not hard to coach against a coach who doesn't make adjustments. So That is true. That is true. But <laughs> considering the star power that – Philly has yeah. right and considering that the considering the young squad of guys that Atlanta has <laughs> Nate McMillan really out coached uh Doc Rivers over there Pat. that was that was an incredible job by him and it was so crazy how like he was kind of like trying to find like a place to be at one point too because even like if we play the revisionist history like back when he was on the Pacers with PG against like the heat right man the pacers at that time that was such an exciting team to watch in the eastern conference finals as well i mean this guy he has he has the relevant experience there and he has a squad to be able to elevate that game and they've retained a lot of their players i'm surprised right and they got they got john collins they got trey young they got kevin herter who just signed recently right cam reddish and then deandre hunter they got so many guys. Oh, Lou Williams as well as there's like six man. Right. This team is really, really exciting and really talented and has great promising uh, uh, offensive and even defensive uh, game as well. Right. I mean, they, I mean, they do need to improve a bit defensively, but I mean, when you have like those wing defenders like uh, DeAndre Hunter, right. And even if John Collins can also improve on that as well, their team is going to go up in the rankings. If, if the Hawks can manage to find a way to stay in the fourth seed in the East, get in that powerhouse of four, right? You got, so you got Milwaukee, you got Brooklyn, you got Philly, right? And now we'll see about the Heat. Miami Heat have Miami Heat will definitely go back up in the rankings. I feel this year, but if the Hawks can manage to make it within the top four, or even like above that, I think Nate McMillan has a serious shot at getting Coach of the Year. I'm going to be honest. I think the Hawks have the talent and the ability to get a top three seed this year. If they do, I think it's a pretty easy work to give out. I think it was Nate McMillan. Uh, but also if they, they do get a top three seed this year, the MVP is also probably going to Trey Young. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's a good beyond that. Uh, I also want to say that. Uh, yeah. And beyond that, I also want to say uh, I could kind of see, you know, a double award here if they do end up getting a top three seed and they had seriously have the ability for it where you know Trayon gets coach Trayon gets MVP and then Nate Milk gets coach of the year like as a double uh thing. I could see that happening for sure. Um for me though it's tough. I mean I, I do want to go Nate McMillan. Uh but I also want to disagree with you a little bit. I want to give some love to some other coaches. So I'm gonna say I'll say Billy Donovan. I think the Bulls have to have a chance to jump up to the okay. fifth, sixth seed conversation. And we saw last year, it's not always about the coach that brings you to the top because Monty Williams got snubbed, right? In my opinion. But sometimes it's it's about the coaches that kind of take a team that people weren't expecting to be great and making them great. That, that's true. That's true. 
I mean, it, it also depends uh, how far the Bulls make it yes. uh, this season. And if this, if the, if, and like I said, right, you know, how the Atlanta Hawks make it to the top four, even top three. Same thing applies to the Bulls as well. If the Bulls are able to get up there, right, then I, then I can also agree with you on uh, Billy Donovan as well. They've got they made some really good acquisitions this uh, this summer, man. Getting um, Demar Derozan and getting Lonzo Ball, even Alex Caruso too, man. I am these guys are really thriving together, and it, I'm really glad that you brought the Billy uh, Donovan up because when you saw them in preseason, man, I, I know it's just preseason, and you know we shouldn't be overreacting, but man, this this team was just blowing out everybody they were playing. Mm. This is looking like an exciting Chicago team once again, man. And I can see, I can see Billy Donovan going up there as well. Yeah. It just really, it's just really tight between Atlanta and Chicago. I feel, you know, if it really depends who, who can get up there in the standings against, you know, Miami that big too. power. Right. Yeah. Miami as well. Right. Because we know Brooklyn and Milwaukee are definitely going to be up there. Philadelphia too. Now, the thing that's really going to be a key factor, especially going to the playoffs, who's going to be in that fourth, fifth, sixth seed, right? There's going to be Atlanta, Chicago, Miami. You also put the Knicks in there as well, right? We'll see if um, we'll see if this isn't like a one sort of year kind of fling, right? If Tom Thibodeau can really bring up this team, right? This team, that team was great defensively, but if they can get up offensively as well, right? That's going to be a really big deciding factor, I feel, for coach of the year. Um, I feel it's just going to be an Eastern Conference uh, team coach uh, this year because the East is really climbing up too. I I do want to give some love to the Western coaches too, though. I mean, I think Monty Williams and Quinn Snyder both have a chance if they bring their teams back to where they were. If Monty Williams can go back and get a top two seed with the Suns, uh, if Quinn Snyder can go back and grab the first seed with the Jazz again, I think they're in serious contention because a lot of people kind of viewed those as like a fluke it's kind of like they stayed the healthiest, so that's why they were at the top. But they were playing really, really good basketball in the regular season. And that is true. If they get back there, I, I definitely think they're in, in the conversation. Yeah, and I mean, also, that's a good point because, you know, the Utah Jazz in the offseason, they didn't really make any, like, losses. They actually made some pretty good acquisitions as well. You know, Eric Bichal, one of those guys, right? I think the Jazz can definitely retain – um, well, maybe not, maybe not as much, but if they, if they definitely can, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Quinn Schneider, um, gets some, gets up there. I, I think he deserves some more recognition too. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't really been getting as much as he should have, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, that's a good uh, take by you. Yeah. That's all I got for coach of the year. I, I, oh, I didn't say who was actually going to go with. I'll just go with Billy Donovan. <laughs> I'll just go with Billy okay. Donovan. Okay. That, that's fair. That's fair. Because my executive of the year pick, which we're about, to, we're about to talk about right now, I got Travis Schlenk, the Hawks general manager, as my executive of the year. Uh, all, the, all the moves yeah. he's – honestly, he probably could have and maybe should have won it last year. But all the moves he's made, all the moves he's been making just over, these, over his entire career so far have been really, really solid. He's built a really solid team. He drafted really, really well. He continues to draft really, really well. I think he's probably going to win it. And if he doesn't win it, I could see the um, the Bulls executive. I th- what was his name again? Um, Mark Eversley. He's, he's their new general manager. I could see him getting it as well. I think it's between those two for executive of the year. Um, a lot of people are, you know, kind of pointing out executives of big teams, but like they're already big teams, you know, executive of the year is kind of more like a, what did you do to really make your team better and, you know, improve them. And so, yeah, I I, I, got, I think it's between Travis Schlenk and um, Eversley. Yeah, this was one of the ones like I kind of really couldn't come up with, uh, to be honest. I was just sort of like going with Pat Riley, to be honest. Yeah, um, no, that's a good one. It, especially with that Kyle Lowry trade, yeah. right? They didn't make too many big losses over there. I mean, yeah, Gordon Drogic, he's a good, he's one, he's a really good uh, guard scorer for them, and Precious Achua. As well, uh, he's definitely one of those guys that you should watch out for in these next yeah. coming years. I mean, but he wasn't getting too many minutes in Miami, right? So I think getting Kyle Lowry as well to also pair with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, 
now you can have Jimmy Butler a bit more off ball and have Kyle Lowry sort of being one of those main playmakers as well. And Kyle Lowry does also add some defensive identity to that team, especially in the paint. He'll definitely be one of those guys that, you know, will definitely cheese your team. Everybody's complaining about him, but this guy, he gets, he draws those charges. He draws those charges. He got that good footwork. He gets them really easily. Right. And I think that this Kyle Lowry like move is really going to help propel the heat up there especially now that Jimmy Butler will have a lot more freedom offensively, right? This is, it's kind of, it's kind of hard because then again, it really depends how far he can go this season. If they can, if they can really get up there, maybe even top three in the East and that'll validate that decision. Then I can see uh, Pat Riley getting uh, executive of the year. Yeah. The East is going to be so hard to predict. I don't know if we want to make a video predicting like the exact seedings of everything. Um, that would be something good to talk about. That'll probably be a little bit in the future. Uh, I'm not sure if we have time before this season because the season literally starts as of when we're recording this, literally tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's a Pat Riley is a good pick. He's a great pick every year. I mean, he has a chance every year. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just he's just consistently great. Right? Yeah, he's a consistently just great general manager, and um, you know he he does a lot for that team. And in my opinion, I mean if you had asked me right now, like who, who, who are the top four teams in the East? Man, I mean, Brooklyn, obviously the Bucks. Uh, I'd put Atlanta in that conversation seriously. Um, and I'd probably put the heat in there as well. Uh, I think if any team's going to fall, it's probably going to be the Sixers, but that's kind of a different. I'm kind of surprised that you actually don't have the Sixers up there in your top four. I just think that they need another if they're not going to get anything back for Ben Simmons right now, like they need somebody as, but as long as Ben Simmons is still on yeah. the team. And like you said, if, if you expect them to sit him, I think Embiid will be having a lot of great performances, but I'm not sure if it'll help them win a lot. They need to yeah. depend a lot on Tyrese Maxey on doc rivers, actually coaching throughout the regular season. And, um, you know, just a lot, they have to rely on a lot of people stepping up. Uh, and I'm not sure if off the bat, they're going to be great. They might gain some steam down down the road as they go. I could definitely see them. I, I definitely think they're probably top five. I just I, I think the top four teams right now are so locked and loaded and just ready to go off the gate. Yeah. And they're all hungry and they all want they all want a top seed except for the Nets. I, I think they really don't care. Uh, but the rest of the teams are really hungry. You know they they want a top seed. They want home court advantage to playoffs. And I could definitely see uh, a lot of our dark horses for all of our awards being picked. Right. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. looking back, I think Trey Young, I probably should put Trey Young in my top three because now I'm thinking about it. Like, I really think the Hawks might get a, a serious top three seed. And he's and Trey Young put up some great numbers last year. He's going to put up some possibly Dude, even better. Dropping like, dropping like 51 in, the, in his first playoffs. Yeah. Holy shit, man. That, that's just, I mean, he, he put himself in like that plethora of like the elites who've done that. And He's just so young, and that team is just exciting, man. And like we were saying, the Sixers, it's a it's a lot of conditionals. Like, okay, what it, it really depends. Okay, when are they when are they going to trade Simmons? I I think he's going to get traded for sure. If is he going to sit out? Right, I, I think he's going to sit out as well. Right, it also depends when they make the trade, who they make the trade for, and also like the amount of time the amount of time that Embiid's playing, he's definitely going to get more responsibility now. Is his health going to keep up? And you were saying Tyrese Maxey as well. He's going to be inserted into the guard lineup uh, as the starting guard. And that's what I've been seeing, uh, reports of him taking Ben Simmons' spot as well. If he's going to be able to elevate his game, right, then then maybe. But, it, see, it's a lot of what-ifs right now uh, for the Sixers. So I can sort of I can sort of understand that a bit more now, right? So I think Tyrese Maxey will, though, to, to put it on the record. He's a Kentucky guy, Kentucky consistently kills the nba you know they got some that is true they i they just happen to breed some amazing talent i'm telling you they don't coach to win in college they coach to get prospects in the nba they do not you know they obviously care about winning but you know their main goal you can tell is to develop their guys for the nba and that's what they do um so any future college prospects watching if you want to go to the nba go to kentucky Uh, that's all i'll say Uh, oh i also do want to give one more small shout out I don't think this is going to happen, but I think he could be in the voting for executive of the year. 
Tommy Shepard, the executive of the Wizards. This is extremely conditional, but if the Wizards still manage to make playoffs or if they manage to even get a seat above what they were last year with Russell Westbrook, if they manage to look better, he's in serious contention because trading Russell Westbrook, even though it was kind of a, you know, it took a lot of stones to make that move. Um, he did it for a lot of depth and he used it. He used the, that late pick he got from Westbrook from the Westbrook deal to trade for even more depth. And then also Isaiah Todd. So there's a lot of conditionals with Tommy Shepard, but I think he's in the conversation because of how dramatic his moves have been. And if, and if after all those moves and signing Dinwiddie as well, if after all those moves, the team is just as good as last year or maybe slightly better, I do think he's going to be in serious contention. Yeah. Yeah, that Westbrook trade was really surprising. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not see that coming, but to see the depth that they got and then getting Dinwiddie too. Yep. Because the thing was, Dinwiddie was expecting like a 100 million kind of type of deal, 100 plus million type of deal in the Nets. And, you know, he was also expressing interest about, hey, maybe we could run it back if, you know, they were able to make it. But to see him get that deal with the Wizards, that was a really, really good move by them. And so he replaced Scott Brooks with Wes Unsell Jr., who honestly, just through that, three alone, I've seen so many more improvements in the rotations, in the minutes given, and how players are being used. I mean, Denny, Denny Avdia got to post up occasionally, and it led to two scores. He didn't score himself, but he he uh, dished it out from the low post to somebody who scored. And, you know, I think that's – look, he's actually using his playmaking abilities, right? He's actually utilizing all of his players' abilities, trying to build a system around them. Uh, I would have said he's in the Coach of the Year discussion, but I do not think they're going to win enough games for that. And I also do not think that uh, – I don't think he's going to measure up to the other coaches that are going to be in the discussion because there's so many good coaches. Uh even if Wes Unsell Jr. is a great coach, I don't see the Wizards making any higher than a six seed at all. I think that's the absolute peak. And I don't think a six seed is good enough to win a coach of the year. Sorry, I love you, Wes Unsell Jr., but that's just, that's the reality. But with all these other great coaches out here, right? So. Well, at least yeah, that, on the bright that, that's side. On my, that's all my bias out of the way. Go ahead, Spark. On the bright side, you're not going to have a four guard lineup. Yes, that, finally breathe easy on <laughs> that. is for sure a guaranteed yes. W, and you can rest easy now. Yeah. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to, to the Wizards. I think it'll be fun. Uh, yeah, that's all I really got to say on all the awards. Thank you all for watching. If you watch this far, drop a like, subscribe. There's no way you're not interested if you watch this far. Um, yeah, that you don't have to. Go ahead, just do it if you want to. Uh, you really should. Um, yeah, that, that's all I got. Uh, this has been Bert. This is Sparsh. And we will see you guys next time on the next episode of the Speak True Sports Podcast. Thank you for watching. Take it easy.